Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm Simon. Welcome to the Business and Beers podcast. Where we chat to our guests about real life experiences and the practical steps to their success. With a ton of knowledge bombs getting dropped along the way. While enjoying a beer together, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Business and Beers podcast listeners. Simon and I are thrilled once again to have Another fantastic guest with us on the show today. Her name is Amanda Lobester. Um, I've met her, I don't even remember how, but I think we met through LinkedIn. We're both in the digital marketing space. Even during COVID times, we met up, had a, a meeting. And ever since, we've just really helped each other on different projects, different ventures. And I thought it'd be really great um, to have Amanda on the show. So Amanda, tell our guests a little bit about Pragmatica Consulting. Cool. Thanks, Stephen. And thanks for, for having me over. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I am the founder and I would say chief consultant of Pragmatica Consulting, which is a specialist consulting firm um, for digital monetization and marketing strategies. So sometimes a lot of people are kind of like, okay, that's a, a mouthful. What, what does that mean? Um, in a nutshell, our primary focus and objective is to help uh, digitally-led businesses explore new revenue streams or increase their revenues from, from their digital media assets. So a lot of that kind of const- uh, comes from media owners or media companies uh, that have been uh, sort of affected by the new digital era. Um, you know, a lot of magazine companies, you know, started out in print media, but everything goes online. And it's not just a copy and paste in terms of business strategies. So that's that's primarily where Pragmatic has started or what we're about and uh, just celebrated three years. So I've reached the 1000 business days mark, nice. which is quite a quite a cool milestone to um, to achieve particularly concerning that we've kind of survived two technical recessions and a global pandemic. So I must be doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think I forgot to ask it on the first question, but tell our listeners Mm -hmm. something that not very many people would know about Amanda. (laughs) There might be a couple of things. (laughs) Yeah, that is a curveball. Um, Might not know about me. Uh, Jeez. I don't know. Uh, I used to do figure skating for provincial colours as a sport. Cool. So that's like random. Yeah, um, <laughs> kind of like ballet on ice. Uh, I think if I were to try and get back on it, I could probably, I suppose it's just like riding a bike. There'd be a few things I could do. I don't know. That's, that's kind of a random yeah. approach. You're no, for. that is. And uh, it's just um, just for our people to get, um, our listeners to get to know you a bit better. So let's jump back in. I think you said um, something really interesting about just celebrating your business business's thousandth day birthday, um, if we could say it like that. I think even when I started my business, people all, there's a few people that I chatted to that said to me, you have to do that. Like your 250 days, your 500 days and um, your thousandth and all of that. So tell us, can be a handful or one or two lessons that you felt were the most important that you've learned in your thousand days of business. Sweat equity deal offers to say, well, we desperately need your services, but we don't have the funds. 
But if you do your job well and you'll promise to help us increase our revenues and explore new revenue streams, then it's it's great. So I've I've explored a couple paths here and there with, with some clients. I've been very open to negotiations and coming up with very creative approaches um, in terms of uh, consulting solutions because not everyone can pay hourly consulting rates um, for no guarantees. But a very big lesson that I had to learn is that I am not here to build other people's businesses at the expense of my own. Um, so I keep having to remind myself sometimes or, or as much as I you know, want to help other people's businesses and that is the priority and the main cause and reason. And then another one would be uh, kind of segueing um, related to that as well would be instead of asking myself, can I do it? Rather ask the question, I do it. Um, we're very capable of doing a lot of things. And I get a lot of requests from clients and prospecting business partners to say, can you do this for us? Can you do that for us? And especially at early stages of your business, when you perhaps not in a position to be pick and, picky and choosy about what kind of clients and what work you want to get, you know, we have to pay the bills at the end of the day. Um, you can quickly get lost down that path if you're not staying true to your, your vision. So I think those would be the two main, main themes that come out. And I'm not here to build other people's businesses at the expense of my own. And uh, instead of asking myself, can I do it? I'm a little bit more strategic. Should I be doing this or going down this path? Yeah, that, that's actually so crazy because, you know, the, the company that I work with, we specialize in software solutions. And that's like a general topic which comes in discussion a lot of the time. And yeah, it's like the, the word that everyone's getting drawn to, but is actually completely confused on this whole return on investment. And I mean, maybe you can discuss that a little bit uh, in like a bit more details, because how do you measure the return on investment? Because, you know, in paper, this the world sounds great. And, um, you know, we, we've done return on investments where we've said to clients, great, if you buy our solution within a month, you will pay the solution back. And on paper, that sounds absolutely amazing. But I mean, when you take that risk on in a business, there's actually so much that goes onto that because you're going to give 100% to make sure that that risk element is, um, you know, call it diverted or minimized and it's as minimal as possible to ensure that you're obviously going to get paid the maximum at the end. But in that process, there's still so much in terms of a company that they need to do. Because once you leave that business, it's completely up to the, the core team of that business to implement the changes that you're speaking about. Um, yeah. I, I mean, have you had like any, call it failed attempts at these? Because I, I would imagine that, you know, sticking to your core values, you, you've definitely been burned um, by taking these projects on and, and people promise the world, but it never, you know, becomes fruitful. Yeah, I think, look, not necessarily um, people from client side promising the world. They kind of come to me as a consultant in a consulting firm to live up to certain promises. They want guarantees. They want me to make the promises for them. They, they, they come to me and they're, oh, so you can help us generate new revenue and help us on strategies or explore new revenue streams. Um, and I'm sure I can, but I can't guarantee that without knowing what what it is I'm dealing with, what the business circumstances are. Um, and 
that's where there is an investment that needs to be made. Um, and the biggest investment, I would say, is time, you know. So consultants, our, our most precious sort of commodity is, is our time. Uh, there are other projects and things that I do um, in order to perhaps buy myself more time or to generate passive incomes um, or multiple, you know, revenue streams. But I, I think there is um, a misconception or a misunderstanding by people pushing the agenda of return on investment all the time. Like you, you hear this in the digital media landscape and industry all too often. It's ROI, ROI. Just because you're putting an ad out there and you've paid and you've invested in your paid media marketing strategy does not guarantee that you are going to get sales. Um, people have their own choices that they are inclined to make. Um, so I, I would kind of articulate it better as a value, evaluation. So when you are investing in a client service or a product um, for your particular business needs, what is the value that you are getting out of it? The return on your investment is obviously the sales that you might might be making in, in that regard. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I think there's two questions I'm going to ask quickly. And it's how did you ascertain what your value was? Because you obviously said time is your most precious mm -hmm. commodity. So if we look at it, let's say you are a workaholic, you can only work, what is it like maximum 16 hours a day because you need to have sleep at least. Um, and then the other question I'm going to ask, so how do you, so the first one was, how do you ascertain your value? And then the other question I was going to ask with the sweat equity deals, how did you, well, how did you say yes or no? And how do you calculate what your value is? Because there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast. They might have a side hustle. They considering the sweat equity, they might not have the capital to do it, but they can give up their time. So that's the second question. Mm -hmm. First one was, how did you calculate your value and sweat equity? Mm -hmm. How do we sell it if we're giving out our time? So I'd, I'd like to sort of rephrase, rephrase the first question a little bit in terms of calculating my value. I would say, Perhaps it's my value proposition that I'm offering to clients, you know, instead of them sort of looking at us, okay, how many hours are we paying? What's our hourly rate? And what are we getting out of it in terms of, you know, how is that resulting in us making money? Because it, it doesn't work, you know, things are not that clear cutthroat. Yeah, it would more be about uh, the time that they're saving. So I have more than 12 years experience in the industry at grassroots level with technical expertise. I have a very strong network that can help um, businesses, companies, and, and you know, their businesses uh, level up to a next phase. So I would say you know, the, the way that I would like to see clients interpreted is the value that they get from a time perspective. Okay. So you know, that, that's, that's the value that consultants generally offer is you hiring a consultant, you're paying them perhaps a premium hourly rate because you are getting access to information and valuable insights and skills and knowledge that ordinarily would probably take you weeks, months, if not years to, to get and reach that point. Um, the second part of your question just refresh my memory again on that one. On the sweat equity. So sweat if you would like as a side hustle or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So so from, from a sweat equity perspective, I would also kind of say it, it's 
it's kind of like the same version of from your side from digital media or agency work is doing a fair amount of risk work. So sometimes you have a client, they, you know, have a business offering and they need some services, but, you know, we're always kind of often stuck in this proverbial catch 22 situation. There is potential, there's opportunity to make money, but we don't necessarily have the funds yet or the funds are limited. Um, and so a lot of people are kind of sort of sitting on the fence. There's this tension, you know, it's okay. Well, if we do give you something, are you going to give us and, and, and is it going to work out? Um, and it's, and it's a process. So the, the sweat equity deals would, you know, primarily be, look, if they're not prepared to invest a certain amount financially in it, um, then it's like, I can't do work for free. <laughs> it, it just comes, it comes straight back to like the, the very hard lesson and principle that I got where I cannot invest my time and resources into someone else's business. If that means that my time and resources is now gone for a client that's actually prepared to pay me for that. So I would have like a system and a hard sort of rule and process to say, all right, if you are interested in my consulting services, you pay X, Y, Z, you know, for a certain amount of hours, we quote on project work and that. Once it gets to, I suppose you could kind of dub it like uh, midway through the dating phase. You know, once you understand the other person's business better and you understand each other better um, and your principles and your values and your ethics are aligned and there is a good communication flow there, then it puts you in a better position to take a calculated risk and do risk work and start entertaining those sweat equity deals. Yeah, that's something I think which a lot of, I see this with a lot of, call it junior consultants moving into the space. I think chatting with a lot of senior consultants, you've kind of learned the lessons, you've gone through the hard knocks and you you have a good establishment of which projects you should take on and which you shouldn't. What I see on the converse side of things is when people move into this consulting space, you almost feel that any job that is out there, you take it and, you know, let's call it, we're going to just use an example. My rate is 1,350 Rand an hour. A client comes along and says, okay, great. Like, I love you. You, the A team, I need you in my business, but I can only give you 600 bucks. Now you're starting out consultant. You've moved from getting like a fixed salary. You now then do the calculations and say, oh man, well, look, it is half my rate, but I can actually do it and stuff like that. And added onto that, like the biggest lesson we've learned uh, in terms of our industry is we sell a very premium product. And this is potentially some advice and, you know, it'd be great to get your thoughts on this, but one thing which I think people need to understand and specifically in the consulting game is, you know, you've said it a couple of times is that time is money and your time is extremely precious. One thing you also need to understand is that your services, your skills, your hours are not going to be suited to every company out there. And we've learned that in a major way. And it's something that we've implemented where it's super easy to sell to a company, but on the, the flip side, we actually need a, a customer to sell to us because at the end of the day, I need to know what value I can add value to any business that I walk into that that's hundred percent. But we also need to look at the flip side. You need to sell to me why you believe what I'm putting on the mm -hmm. table will add value because uh, 
I've seen it just so many times where these consultants come into the business and it's like this age old saying a consultant starts with the company on a one month contract and 10 years later, they're still on that monthly renewal, you know, yeah. and then, you know, you start begging the question. Yeah, it's great from a cash flow point of view. You've got a fixed customer, but then are you actually adding value to the customer, mm -hmm. you know, because then are you like, does the customer actually need you or are you just like a, a cost that's been absorbed in the business and you, you're actually a permanent employee there, but they just paying your consulting rate. Um, I mean, do you feel that way that people actually on that value point of view, you need to understand your value, but also you need to look at companies and realize that you're not going to be a good fit to all companies, mm -hmm. that you actually need to be very selective of where you're spending your time. Because if you're not, you can actually put your business at a huge risk without even knowing it. Yeah, no, it's, it's happened a couple of times, uh, kind of these sort of conversations and these negotiations. Um which again just comes back to my post-it note that I keep referring back to is like I can't invest in their business at the expense of my own if, you know and when, what what they perceive as value and what I perceive as value if we cannot come to an agreement um, and a mutual understanding uh, then and it's not feasible um, I think one of the hardest lessons to also learn is just to say no and to know when to actually just turn around and walk away um, there's plenty of fish in the sea, there's plenty of opportunities. And um, although you might think that uh, what you are offering is very unique, bespoke and super niche. Um, when I started my consulting firm, you know, I, I started it out because my, my experience and my expertise is in programmatic advertising, which is why Stephen and I kind of connected because we're both those sort of, I don't know, Stephen, how did you interpret it? Like the geeky techies or something yeah. <laughs> aligned with that. Um, yeah. So we know like the, the technical ins and outs and aspects of, um, of programmatic advertising and the real in-depth nitty gritty and so when I jumped out of the employee space into the consulting and, and running my own company I was looking very um, in the box in terms of what my clientele would be it initially started out Pragmatica is here to service media um, publishing companies uh, that need expertise and assistance in you know their, their digital mm -hmm and specifically related to programmatic and advertising, those that are monetizing their digital assets with you know, Google display ads and sales teams selling things on a CPM rate and all that jazz. Um, and then when I got started into it, I realized, okay, well, the market, particularly in South Africa is very small. Maybe I'm a little bit too far ahead of the market here in South Africa. If I were to have started that company and focused that intention and I was based in the States or in Europe, which are much more advanced and larger you know pool of, of customers in that space then you know that would make sense but then I came to realize that hang on a second perhaps I'm a couple steps way far ahead let's let's back it up a little bit and see what what my expertise and my skill sets can contribute to the broader network and then that opened up opportunities for me in terms of like the education and training there is a lot of um lack of education and understanding about the digital media landscape and the industry and particularly what a lot of things mean like what does digital transformation mean what does programmatic advertising mean? what is performance marketing social media all those sort of things um, and i have a unique 
ability to be able to articulate that and explain that in a way for, for people to understand. So that that was my, you know, sort of my gift, or I would say my my unique valuable skill set is, you know, you can hire a lot of agencies and experts that are practicing this, but they don't necessarily have the ability to explain it in a way for the customer that's relying on their expertise and trusting that they know what they're doing um, to understand it, but they don't understand, they don't really understand what you're doing. You know, I, I used to get a lot of clients that would say to me, so Amanda, we have this company that's approached us with this tech solution or the software solution. Um, they're pitching it to us that it's really simple. It's just a rev share kind of deal. There is no investment on our part. All we need to do is chop drop their tags in and sign this contract and, you know, boom, they're going to be making lots of money. But they don't quite understand the dynamics at play. So you, they would come to me and I would say to them, okay, cool, I'm working for a company that does that. They would say, we, we've got this and I'm trying to sell them a product or a service. Their feedback would often be, I don't quite understand this but I trust you, therefore I'm going to give you the business and I'm just going to hope that it works out mm -hmm. and that it doesn't bite me in the ass. Yeah. Um, and as a result, so many companies have been burned in the past by taking that approach. And they all, you know, everyone has this hunger and this desire to want to be better informed and better educated. They don't want to enter into meetings with service providers and salespeople and account managers and strategists and agencies and developers feeling stupid, feeling like, okay, well, these sales guys are talking all this amazing stuff. They're all these acronyms, you know, this technical jargon. It sounds super fancy, but by the end of the meeting, you, you, as, you as a client come out thinking, wow, clearly these people know their shit, <laughs> um, but I just feel more clueless now than ever before. That's not the right intention. You don't ever want to leave a client feeling like that. Um, yeah. So I, I take it quite personally that a, a big primary um, KPI, if you will, a key performance indicator of whether I'm doing a good job as a consultant is to make sure that my clients um, understand and get it. You know, we, if we're having a session, they're coming out of the session saying, fantastic, now I understand things better. It needs to be that level of understanding that we need to do. And if the client just feels more lost, then then I'm not doing a good job. Yeah, and I think that's, um, I've obviously dealt with your business as well. And that's definitely something that stands out um, with you from other consultants. Because I've dealt with exactly, like you say, account managers and salespeople. And it feels like the exact opposite because they're like, let me tell them as little as possible so that they don't understand and they're confused. And, and that's exactly, I think, where the future of business lies. You need to not just be an advisor, you need to be a trusted advisor. Because now mm -hmm. you can go to any of your clients and sell them something else and they'll know that you have their best in intention in heart. So I think that's really important. And then something else I just wanted to add as well, when you spoke about like honeymoon phase or whatever with your clients is just to trust your gut. Um, I think it's still one of the most important things, but when you get that email and you're like, oh no, this isn't going to work, just end it there. Like don't go down a three month trying to quote, trying to go down seven SLAs and all of this. I'm speaking from an ex um, example because I've just been through that process with someone. The thing is just cut the umbilical cord straight away. Don't drag the thing out. Yeah. 
hundred percent. And I think on this whole meeting point and yeah, I mean, we, we are in a very interesting space. I actually posted a, a couple of weeks about it acronyms. Um, so we sell ERP software with the CRM and a HCM, like really the three words that most people <laughs> want to know what the heck I'm talking about. Uh, but fully agree the, the more, uh, these bigger corporates that we deal with in our industry, the more I actually realize that people like to speak on a very superficial level, but at the most part, like uh, someone once gave me advice, if you can explain your concept and what you sell to a five-year-old and they understand it, you miles ahead because at the end of the day, the CEO feels too embarrassed to actually sit in the meeting and say like, hey, Simon, what is CRM? Because now he's sitting with his board. But if you can explain the topic really simply from the start, you're actually going to eliminate a whole bunch of questions. And, you know, free advice Friday, and it's not even Friday, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, taking a step back, uh, one thing that like drastic changes that we've made in our whole process is in terms of adding value, because I think that's exactly where people are missing the mark is we need to become value adders in the industry because there's just too many people that are extracting value and not adding. And when you're getting into meetings, set a clear agenda and say to the client, this is why I want to meet with you. These are the points we want to discuss. And it's great to have the agenda, but take it a step further and say to the client, great, the objective of this meeting is that you will have clarity on the costing, you will have clarity on the proposal, and we'll be clear on what the next steps were. Because if you're following a structured process with your clients and you get to the end and say, okay, Mr. Customer, the objective of the meeting was to be clear on the costing, to be clear on the next steps, and make a decision if we're going ahead or not. Did we meet the objective? Then the client yeah. can back around and say, oh, I need to sit with the team because you say, well, Mr. Customer, we made it very clear with you. The objective of this meeting is it's either going to be yes or it's going to be a no. And the other problem where people take this very personally is you, you kind of get in this game of you don't want to fail. And specifically as consultants, I don't want to invest eight hours in a business to get the proposal and the customer tells me no. But exactly like um, you know Steve's saying, is sometimes you actually just need to tell the customer no and no is okay we need to get comfortable with the word no like it's okay if the customer doesn't want to go with your service it just means that there's a a value mismatch if i could call it that and and that's fine you know rather move on and stop wasting your time and actually focus then your time on on a proper customer you know yeah no for sure I, i think just uh to add to that quickly was um when you were saying like the value add, uh, especially in the digital media industry, let's make sure like our listeners do not mistake in that for added value. By no means does it mean that we are offering free stuff. <laughs> okay. So that, that's, that's also something I've seen happen all too often is like, okay, you're trying to sell something, uh, whether it be media or a solution or a pitch and services, and you say, oh, and I'll just throw in this for free as added value, just so that you feel like you're getting a good deal. Um, it, it's it's like, yeah, it, it's just one of those like typical tactics to try and schmooze the client a little bit. Um, and and I, I often feel that sometimes it can be quite distracting uh, from the main goals and objectives. So yeah, I, I agree with your sentiments on that. I think it all comes down to communication and making sure that both the service provider and the client are aligned. And if it yeah. takes too long to, you know, get to that level of understanding and alignment, like Stephen, like you were, you were saying, 
you know, where you have this back and forth and these SLAs and, you know, these proposals and these meetings and these workshops all the time, <laughs> uh, you know, like, like if it's if it's take if it's that hard just to come to an agreement and understanding on what it is the two both parties want. Imagine how hard it is when you actually do sign the contract yeah. and you get you start working together for for that kind of thing. So notice the warning signs and the red flags yeah. is what I like to call yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And also the the biggest problem that uh, you know you find being professionals, you know, we can call the three of us professionals. Feels amazing. <laughs> um, but being a professional in the industry and being hyperly focused on adding value to each and every one of your customers, the the biggest challenge that you find is that uh, you pick up these customers where they've been really burnt in the past. And then you as a professional, you want to add value to the customer's business, but then you almost find this reluctancy because the customer has gone through this journey with someone, the, uh, the person's promised them the earth, they've promised them Mars, they've put everything in the package yep. and they don't deliver. And then the person gets a huge payout, they duck off, move on to the next customer. Then you as a professional in the industry that are charging a higher premium, you know, and I mean, we see it all the time. We know we're a good fit for the customer. We know we can add value. We know, like, you just almost want to scream and say, like, we know what we're doing. But because someone very unprofessional in the industry has tarnished the reputation, mm. you know, then you as a professional are actually working three times as hard to try, try rectify the reputation, to try rectify that. And then at the end of the day, the professional has to now cut the costs um, to try to get the contract, to add the value. And then the customer's like, oh, why didn't I find you a long time ago? Well, okay, Mr. Customer, I've cut my rate in half to try to help you. Mm -hmm. And then the worst part is the customer comes back and says, cool, so we've kind of agreed now we're running on a rate of 650. It's like, whoa, no, no, no. Like I did 650 to help you. The rate's now 135. No, but how can you charge me that much? It's like, but I've just revolutionized yeah, no, your business to help you. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, no, these things happen all the time. I, I often kind of have to remind myself that, you know, we're in the business of servicing people and individuals and people come with baggage. People come with a history. It's personal. So anyone that kind of says, oh, well, it's business, it's nothing personal. I, I disagree with that. People have their own personal attributes. Um, you know, they've, they've been burned in the past by previous relationships, um, making decisions, you know, taking a risk and trusting other clients or service providers or agencies or, you know, whoever it is in, in business. Mm -hmm. And they, they carry that with them. But that's where, you know, your job comes in as a professional is to mitigate that and to give them that sort of level of reassurance. So I often kind of say to my clients, you know, when we when we have a session, like I, I have a system and a process, like I always say the first first phase is like an induction or an immersion strategy session. And I, I basically say it, consider me your digital media business therapist, just dump it, dump all your woes and your worries, just offload it. This is what these next two hours or this half day or this next hour is. Um, send me that information, whether, you know, no matter how disorganized it feels like that's my job is to collect all that data, whether that data consists of just you explaining your ideas and your thoughts or um, sending links and screenshots of other sites and other companies that you're wanting to follow in their footsteps or a formalized business plan. 
even if you're taking a WhatsApp photo of sticky notes that you've got, just treat me as your dumping ground for session one so that I can see what it is I'm dealing with. And my job is to collect all that information, um, dis dissect it and disseminate it, come back to you with the report back and be able to consolidate and say, so, so of all the information you get, this is how I'm interpreting it and where I see things are going. Do you agree? And that, that forms the, the, the foundation and the process. And that's also, I, I use that method and that system as like part of like the first date dating phase to suss out mm -hmm. whether, you know, the, this is a good fit. So you don't just jump into bed with the client and go in and sign a year contract or with, you know, a three month retainer or something without knowing literally what it is you're dealing with. Literally, literally. You first want to see what they got under the sheets, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> what have you got? Where where are you? What is the situation that we're dealing with? And it, it provides both parties with a sense of, okay, is the, their problem or their issue or their um, strategy or their objective something that I can contribute and that I can handle or is it beyond my scope of work and value? Mm -hmm. So I've, I've also learned a very valuable lesson in terms of, you know, and coming back to my, my posted note thing of instead of asking, can I do it? Rather, should I do it? You know, the clients will say, oh, okay, well, so we know we hired you for this, but can you also help us with that? Because you know this so well and, you, and you're that inclining in the industry. Um, and then I'm thinking, oh, but, you know, yes, I could, but it might require extra investment from, from my side. You know, I, I might not have the resources for it. I possibly could do it, but perhaps there is someone that can do it better. So I've, I've started almost changing my sales strategy or tactics in a way to say to clients, this is who I'm not. This is not what I do. I don't play in these sandpits of developers or sales houses or media owners or agencies. I'm purely a consultant. So I consult from an unbiased approach. As soon as I jump into the sandpit and I'm playing with all the agency folk and I'm now a stakeholder in a media agency's business or a sales house, I'm now biased to their services. And I think this is the problem that happens with media companies, you know, where you have these big um, holding companies that own multiple agencies. You know, we, we, we're going through this phase of where you've got, you know, the, the Accentures, the McKinsey's and the Deloitte's, which are all the big consulting firms. Now they, they're plugging in and playing in the agency space. They were like, oh, okay, we can consult for you. And now you need a solution. Oh, but well, hey, we started up an agency, so we can do this for you too. So it, it, it's like quickly down that rabbit hole you go. And then the next thing you realize, you as a client have spent hundreds of thousands, if not millions of rands and consulting services and stuff. And you've just been duped into like a scheme of upselling techniques, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things that don't quite sit well with me. So yes, there are possibly opportunities. And, and recently, just during lockdown last year, during COVID, when you know things were not looking too good business-wise, I think everyone, you know, just got like a massive slap in the face <laughs> from the good old universe to say, ah, no, <laughs> we're not done with you yet. Let's just, you know, mess you around a little bit more. Um, 
and pull the rug under your feet. And I got given an opportunity. Um, there was a, a media agency, highly respected, um, super successful. They were one of the few agencies that actually went out and pitched their business idea to a bunch of clients. And he took the strategy, well, he's just going to send it out there to about several, hoping, you know, one or two will stick, maybe three. What he didn't anticipate was that all of them came back and said yes. <laughs> and he, he kind of overextended himself. So now he's like, oh, now what do I do? And, you know, that I would say that's like the best problem. Like that's my ultimate goal in my dream is to sort of mm. be at that level where I have clients like banging down my door saying, we want to work with you because, you know, you know, we know you're, you're good for it. And almost like they're, they're fighting for a seat at the table for, for Pragmatica services. So what, what ended up happening with, with this one is he, you know, a lot of my work is done via referral. Um, uh, my, my website hasn't been updated in like two years. So I'm not really going to encourage anyone to have a look at that. You rather just add me on LinkedIn. Um, but there is something quite valuable in knowing that when people are literally searching for the kind of services uh, that I provide, I'm like the only thing that comes up there and my SEO is shit. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's really bad. So I know there's, there's a gap in the market for, for my consulting services and all the business that I get, about 95% of the businesses is through my referral network and by reputation. So he came to me via reputation and a referral and said, this is the situation how can I help and I can get involved? And I said, cool, I'm, I'm in. This is what I do. This is what I don't do. Um, he didn't quite hear what, the, what I don't do. He was, he was just saying, oh, this is what she does. This is what she's capable of. She's perfectly primed for that. We can definitely take in this company. And he basically offered me these two major clients on a silver platter to say, here you go, you, you take it. Um, I had to sort of turn that down. And I think this was the conversation I had with Stephen because I said to Stephen, so I've been given this opportunity, but I'm not an ad agency and I have no intention of becoming an ad agency. Mm -hmm. um, there was an, uh, most, most, you know, specialists uh, and ad agencies would dream of this opportunity. You know, we, we, we kind of know and understand how the cycle goes as you, you're pitching as soon as you get that one big win that's how you start building your business. You start hiring staff. But if you are relying on that one business and you've got now a staff count of 15 marketers and campaign managers and stuff operating, your contract ends with that client and you don't have other clients, you're, you're dead in the water. So it's not a very um, savvy business strategy to, to rely on. And, we, and we've seen a lot of agencies thrive and die as a result of that, yeah. that pattern. Um, so again, it just sort of came down to, you know, sticking true with my vision, my core purpose, and being able to think outside of, outside of the box. And yeah. the, the way I kind of spin it around is to say that I'm, that is not what, like, I can't service in all those levels. I cannot take on the client and facilitate that whole project management. I would have to become an other agency in order to do so. But what I can do as a consultant is be is able to help find the right agencies or specialist service providers for that. And that does form part of my consulting services. And it does um, tie in seamlessly in with my core value and purpose of making sure 
the clients don't get burned like they have been burned in the past. Because it's easy to, you know, say, okay, well, I need a website built. I need a marketing um, manager and strategy, but you don't know how to brief and you, you don't come from that industry. So you don't know how, like what it's worth. I mean, a lot of companies have been burned in the past where they pay someone, I don't know, a hundred thousand rand to build a website. And meanwhile, none the wiser, they didn't know it was a premium WordPress template that maybe cost five grand kind of thing. Yeah, you know, there, there's those sort of things to do. Yeah. yeah, I think just to add on there, I think it's really important that um, you were obviously cash strapped during the COVID times, which I think a lot of us are. And it's important to always align back to your values of that, because all of us could have quickly, just like you said, you could have grabbed that amazing opportunity and run with it. But instead, you thought, well, let me not see the short term financial game now. Let me see it um What's important for me and my mm. business? Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of listeners might disagree with what you're saying because it, it's like that famous Richard Branson thing. Um, if you don't know how to do it, say yes and, and learn along the way. Yeah, yeah. But one thing which I, I think has been like a really important lesson I read the book. Know, for me. I've studied that too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, one thing that's like really, you know, been a, like a recurring theme, I think throughout this, this whole episode is understanding like your value because if you understand your core value and what you could add and what you're not, like, yes, you turned on a massive contract and I can almost guarantee you right now, your reputation with that client was, let's call it, if we're putting points to it, your reputation was 50 points. You turning him down would have boosted your reputation to a hundred points because clients are not used to agency turning around and saying, sorry, like I'm, I'm actually not going to do it because I know what I'm capable of. I know what I'm good at. And this kind of falls outside of my, you know, specialty realm. Yes, I can maybe get someone in, but then the risk of the project greatly increases because I don't know what their ethics are. I don't know what their values are. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not going to put their name on my proposal or my paper. So I think that that's 100% where being very firm and like dead set on what your values and vision is, is going to in the long term pay itself yeah. off 100 times over. Short term, you might sacrifice something, yeah, but... Okay, sure. Like you said, 95% of your business is based on referrals. I can guarantee you right now, the next time he gets a massive contract that fits your spec, he's not going to phone anyone else. He's going to phone you and say, great, I know what happened last time, but I can trust you 100% with this contract. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to quickly correct you there. I didn't turn down the contract. Okay. I have the contract. I have the clients. (laughs) They're the ones that are keeping me super busy. Okay. And they're my favorite clients. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic, but it's, it's just about me being, I mean, I could definitely squeeze out a lot more money from them. You know, this, the silver platter handing out there. And, yeah. you know, I'm just careful not to be too greedy and say, oh, sure, I can do all those things. Yes. Yeah. And you try and you do those things and you fail and, and because you, you don't have the resources to do so. So I don't play that game. I don't, yeah. you know, a client comes to me and says, well, you're the perfect person for this. You know, um, we've heard via the grapevine that you're, you know, great at, at these sort of services in consulting and strategy and programmatic and analytics and data and AI and all these buzzwords. You know, a lot of times people have their own sort of perceptions. They, they make up their own things in their own mind. And it, it's flattering. It's, it's great. Mm. But um, I have to, you, you know, you want to sort of mitigate that and say, you know, appreciate it. 
but this is where my strong suit is. It's focused on the strong yeah. suit. I do not have the resources to be able to do all of those things for you. Um, it's just about being upfront, honest, and transparent about what it is and what your capabilities are. Uh, I, I definitely, I mean, I've, I've read about two of Richard Branson's books. Um, and I also, you know, followed that. If, I would kind of interpret his quote as, you know, if someone sees something in you and is giving you the opportunity, but you don't have the confidence and courage in it in yourself, um, do it. Because they're obviously seeing something in you that you're not seeing in yourself. I don't believe that Richard Branson's quote in that way is him giving advice to people to say, okay, well, it's not about misleading. It's just if someone's giving you up with opportunity, they see the value and they believe in you that, you know, to, to give you that shot and you lack that confidence is to do it. It's, it's not an invitation to scam people um, and yeah. mislead them. And I see that happen a lot in the industry. You know, a, a big thing that like a bugbear that I have with lots of agencies is when and service providers, so developers, any anyone in the service-based industry, especially in digital and particularly the, the agency landscape. I have bone to pick with those folks. <laughs> and I've got many friends in the agency space. I used to work yeah, in an agency as well. <laughs> so <laughs> none, none at all. But I've just I've observed and I've witnessed a lot, and it, it it damages the industry and the reputation, and it you know it sets everyone back. It's not good for the the ecosystem in our industry. Um, it, it, you know when you you know someone a client potential client or customer says so what what do you do what can you do and oh we can do everything you know oh we we full service we've got the full stack we we've, we've got it all Thank we can you. do everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I mean yeah. geez if everyone says that well then what what makes you different from anyone else you know um, and I, again that's sort of coming up to my you know sort of approach and saying well no I don't do this I don't do that this is where I excel um, a, a big part of Pragmatica's um, strategy and, and, and mission in, in terms of how we work is, is huge on collaboration. And, you know, Pragmatica's tagline, other than the practical intelligence, but is facilitating niche at scale. And the only way you can facilitate niche at scale is through collaboration with industry leaders and experts in their specific niche fields. So if a client is coming to me and I'm consulting them on a strategy or a go-to-market strategy or how to monetize, now it comes to the implementation phase. I'm a consultant. As soon as I go into the implementation phase, that puts me in the agency or the developer or the media sales house. And like I said, I don't jump into those sand pits and play in that game because then I'm no longer an unbiased consulting firm. Um, then I have another agenda in terms of servicing with my clients. So that's where the collaboration comes in and, and the conversations of how Stephen and I met. It's like Stephen's developed a reputation because he's developed a niche that's made a name for himself in the work that he does and, you know, and, and the portfolio that he carries. So any clients that I get, if it fits within Stephen's niche, that's, you know, that's the agency I'm going to refer and introduce the client. That, that's me doing my job facilitating the client services and needs that way. Um, and the collaboration ecosystem is a, a very important part of Pragmatica's success in its services to its kind. Yeah, I think um, 
we're going to have to cut it there because our, our brief to Amanda was that the, the podcast would be 30 minutes and I see we're already on 49. So um, yeah. thanks so much. I think it's really just for all our listeners, there's been just so many nuggets of anyone that's looking to start a consultancy. Amanda, thank you so much. You've really just been open and honest about the lessons you've learned, the way people should be doing it. So Simon and I are really just so appreciative of your time. Thank you so much for sharing. And again, we're going to open the floor. Uh, Amanda did mention it. If you want to follow her on LinkedIn, it's Amanda Lobesta on LinkedIn. We'll also post it when we do the when we publish this episode. But please, guys, if you do have any questions that you'd like Amanda to answer, we'll try to get her back on the show so that she can answer them for you. But thanks so much for your for time. Eight hours free consulting. Yeah. <laughs> for eight hours free consulting. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we do appreciate the open and honest that you've been about your business. And I can also see why your business has reached a thousand days. You stood true to your values and what was important to you and your business. So thanks so much for coming on the Business MBS podcast. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Don't forget to hit subscribe.